Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to Desert Dogcast, Five for Howling's official Arizona Coyotes podcast. Alongside Kyle Pavlik, I am Rob Leonio. Here to talk a lot of Arizona Coyotes news. Um, before we get into that, I do want to thank you, Kyle, and also want to thank Rose, who's uh, not with us for this episode, for joining Inside the Glass earlier this week. It was a good discussion that we had. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, kind of interesting. Here, we tend to stick more towards the Coyotes. Uh, it's kind of nice to be able to expand and talk about everything going on in the NHL. That was part of my favorite part about Inside the Glass, and that's why I kept it going for such a long time. I mean, if you look, that was the 26th episode. That's the 26th episode of the official podcast. That It was a radio show for much longer, so... Um, I'm pretty sure you've heard how much of a, you know, I've, I've babied that, uh, that show for such a long time, but, uh, it, it's definitely your baby. <laughs> you, uh, you, uh, bring that up quite a bit. Uh, listeners may not realize that, um, uh, but glad, glad we had a chance to step in. Um, uh, I did the, the preseason predictions one and, uh, I'm scared to look back and see how many of my predictions were just way off. It yeah, that, that tends to happen. I, I I made some predictions in the uh, last ep- in, in the preseason episode of uh, last season, and I was like, oh god, how wrong was I? And then I admitted it, you know. But I also said at the be, I made a huge mistake. I I wouldn't call it a huge mistake because, you know, I should have been right. Just a lot of things happened that weren't wrong. Was I talked about the Coyotes? And I was like, you know what? This is me once again. This is me last year. And I'm like, the Coyotes, mark my word, the Coyotes are making this, making the playoffs this year. And to those who are saying, you know, laughing in my face and saying I'm wrong, when the season ends and they do make the playoffs, I am going to say, actually, on this podcast, on Inside the Glass, was, was I right or was I right? Obviously, I didn't get a chance to do that because he didn't make the playoffs. It was so close, but I mean, they 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 almost deserved it. But um, yeah, that happens. I mean, I think yeah, fans in general always make these kind of predictions, whether you are like consciously doing it or not. I think everyone has a kind of idea of where other teams are in the NHL, where they think they're going to finish. The difference between regular fans and people like us who kind of do this in a more public fashion is we have to put it all on the record. And also we need to necessarily think about it a little bit more, not too much more, um, especially kind of what we do. We're not overanalyzing everything, but I'm willing to bet like the average fan isn't, you know, starting the season like, huh, I wonder where the Florida Panthers are going to finish this season. Or it's all or about just like kind of one of those middle ground teams. They where... all focus on their own teams or whatever it is, and it's like you know what I think we're gonna make the playoffs this year because we have so much talent. But if you you know you do what we do now and actually focus on you know the in depth breaking down the rosters of every team and the skilled talents of every team and saying okay this team has the talent and the depth to make it this far in the playoffs and whatever like the, the, people don't realize like how much goes into it, but also how much any analyst can be wrong. Yeah. Like there are definitely teams that we look at now and like everything should be going right for them, but 
it just isn't. Um, Dallas, San Jose, it, you know. Vegas. Um, I, I honestly think that Calgary should probably be higher in the standings. Um, but yeah, no, it's that's kind of the fun thing about hockey. You never really know what's going to happen until you start playing the games. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I actually will go back to that. When we reach the either the third way through the season or the halfway through the season, I will actually look back on some of our predictions and I will actually bring them up on that when that episode comes. Um, so be prepared. I mean, we've started tracking our predictions for this show. So, yeah, we can definitely start doing those kind of, you know, reveals and listeners get to hear how wrong we are. Right. But also how scarily right we are sometimes. I know. Sometimes um, I mean, sometimes we get, re- you know, we're, we're right on the mark and, you know, people should listen to us more. Yeah, definitely. Definitely <laughs> should listen to us more. Anyways, let's get started with some Coyotes news. Um, this happened earlier this week that the Arizona Coyotes general manager, John Shaka, has been uh, given a long-term extension for his now first job. So, obviously, he's still about, I think he's still about a year and a half left on his contract. But, you know, he's getting his long-term contract now for an extension. And, uh, Carl, we don't know how long this extension is exactly. But we what we do know is it's long-term, and John Shake is here to stay. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I do want to point out, he is not just the general manager. He is the president of hockey operations. Right. So it, I'm curious to see how many teams like have those two being the same role. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do that. I remember, for example, um, I'm going to use the, uh, the Detroit Red Wings as an example, right? Uh, where Ken Holland was going to he decided he was going to step aside as general manager and he was going to be the president of hockey operations for the Detroit Red Wings expecting that uh Steve Eisman was going to come in and take the GM job of course little did the Red Wings know that Ken Holland was going to get uh baited over to Edmonton but that was one of the examples where they, he had both jobs he decided to you know forego his general manager job to leave the seat open for somebody and then you know there it goes. But yeah, I mean, it has, we do see this often. I'm interested to see how much, maybe more we're going to see it or maybe less we're going to see of it as these years goes by. Yeah, it's definitely kind of an interesting thing in my mind. Uh, and I don't think that people necessarily dig too deep into it. The general manager is definitely the more public figure unless maybe a team like Toronto where you have a name like Shanahan as the president of hockey operations. Um, I, I personally love the moves that Trek has been making his entire run. And when everyone was kind of um, poo-pooing or just kind of not exactly thrilled about his signings uh, this past off season, I was like, you know what? I, 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 see what he potentially sees in the players that he's signing, namely Dvorak, Schmaltz, and Chikrin. Right. Uh, I like those players. Like, he drafted Chikrin. He went out and traded for Schmaltz. So I thought he had a good eye in finding talent that works. Um, And I think with a long-term extension, it kind of sends the...
I think down, we lost you. I would say. Uh, we yeah. lost you for a second, the last five seconds. Can you say what that was again? Uh, sure. Um, with the long-term extension, it says that this team is Sheka's vision. And right. I think that's a good vision. Um, we'll see what happens if the Coyotes, say, miss the playoffs again this season and worst-case scenario again next season. We may need to reevaluate that. But especially to start the season, like things have been going pretty well. Do you think we're going to see a lot more of like general managers or maybe president of hockey operations or, you know, any kind of, you know, position like that of a guy like Cheka who's kind of very uh, analytical, I should say, you know, who loves who loves his more advanced stats in hockey because they're becoming a lot more popular and people use them. Oh, yeah. I think that in the next decade, Cheka's like advanced stats is going to be like woefully like less developed than some of the other teams. I I shouldn't say woefully, but when you look at like Seattle, I think they've already hired a stats person Um, and they don't even have a team yet. Uh, They have a GM already. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but there's a, I think a lot of teams are realizing that this is something that needs to be focused on a lot. Um, And it needs to be incorporated in a very specific way because you can't just necessarily you can't you 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 can't rely on advanced stats. You can't just say you can't just go out and say, "Oh, this player is terrible in uh, when defending high danger scoring chances." But you know you gotta take you, you gotta take that information, take it into context, look at the rest of his stats. Look, use the eye test, which I I'm a huge advocate for, both the eye test and the advanced stats. People are gonna hate me because I love both. It's usually one or the other, but um, you gotta use both. You gotta go everything on your plate because the more you see in a player, the more you're able you're able to take a look into them. You're gonna able to find out that hey, this player is what you're looking for. Yeah, uh, I will say I don't. I don't love the eye test um, as it is generally used because I don't trust the eyes of people who frequently say. Well, people, it. most people who love the eye test are, and I'm not going to generalize and say everyone because obviously there are a lot of people who out there who use the eye test and you know they they make some good some good uh, um, information some some from that and can actually decide how good a player is. But we're talking armchair GMs here, you know, fans who are armchair GMs who use the eye test. Like, Oh, this player has looked terrible. I'm like, have you looked at his stats? He's doing really well. Yeah. Or just the idea of, and this was big in psychology when I was getting my degree in it. Like, are you sure you're not just paying attention to the first thing you're seeing or the last thing you're seeing? Because those have a really big. There bias. you go. Yeah. Like, if a player makes one big mistake, are you ignoring like the nineteen other minutes they played on, where they did like a lot of really good subtle things? Um, the if I'm talking to someone about Alex Golgoski, and it tends to be Golgoski is like kind of the biggest one, where people will be like, "Oh, he's terrible," and I'm like, "No," and they're like. Yeah, he's like a defensive liability. I'm like, 
no. Sometimes, sure, but there's a lot of really subtle aspects of his game that most people who come into it with a disposition that he's a terrible defenseman are going to miss. Um, yeah. There's a reason he is a penalty killer. He is not Keith Yandel 2.0. Yeah. that's the, And I think that's what people need to realize, that, you know, there's certain kinds of players out there, and, you know, obviously every every player's value is, t- is, is taken differently because of those player styles. Because we're not... We're not in the era anymore where you just have a, let's say, a power forward on your wing or a playmaker at center and and stay-at-home defenseman back there. It's like There are like so many different kinds of players now. Obviously, power forwards and playmakers are huge, but you know, you got, you got your two-way forwards, you got your, um, you know, you got your enforcers still, uh, offensive defensemen, defensive forwards, like... It's there's so many different informations that you have to consider. Again, player that play, play playing style of a player will kind of help determine what stats you need to look at a little bit more than others. Yeah, and I mean I think the the key thing that we haven't talked about yet, the biggest part of a GM is interpersonal stuff. So I don't care how well the stats work together, I'm never gonna put say. Eric Carlson and Mike Hoffman on the same team again. Uh, yeah. They could by a, like every other metric be like, all right, these two are going to gel perfectly, but no, there's a lot of personal history there. And I don't necessarily think that that is something that fans really think about. Um, I think fans think of athletes as, you know, numbers. They sh- numbers or they shut their brains off and they're willing to be like oh okay i'm able to work with anyone because all it's all the same team and i imagine there's a lot in that like i've never been a professional athlete but i imagine you have to like at least respect and tolerate a lot of people to a certain extent but you know there's like guys who have problems with each other and as a gm you kind of gotta know that you gotta know who's having like a rough day who's having like a bad personal life and all of those other factors that that go into it that no one really thinks about um and i think in addition to like the team being well built i it seems like they have decent chemistry too which is great and that's yeah and then that's the most important part and I, i i love that you mentioned that because you've we've seen teams and this is maybe even within the last year, within the last two years, every single year, you have at least one team in which you hear, oh, they've got so many problems in their locker room, what's going to happen? And obviously they end up fizzing out in, on, on the ice because, well, they don't gel well together as a team. So if you have a GM that can put together a, a team a team with good chemistry, like what Chike has been able to do so far with the Arizona Coyotes in his um in his tenure as general manager and president of hockey operations, um, it you realize, well, he's he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, definitely. I, I think there's a lot of like players that like when you when they play together and they don't always like they just are like some next level chemistry, uh, which like the fact that when he was acquired, 
Schmoltz immediately had a connection with Clayton Keller. Like, that was great. We're now seeing that Schmoltz can kind of do that with a lot more people, and he seems to have that same, like, kind of instant chemistry with Connor Garland. Um, but he's also spent significant time with Christian Dvorak. And it's not like a thing where he's, like, the best player um, in the league. I think that Schmoltz is a very good, very skilled player. But I think his play style really fits well in the Tocket system. And it really fits well with the pieces that we have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's, I think it's like a really under, like less than appreciated thing. Uh, Did you want to talk about the the trades while we're we're here? Yeah, let's talk about some of, or yeah, some of his big trades that he has done over his, uh, what is it now? Four, four years that he's been GM. Uh, I think like three and a half. Okay, three uh, and a half, yeah. Or three and three and a quarter, I guess. We just passed the quarter mark of this season. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, and uh, we got this from the hockey writers. Uh, top five trades made by Coyotes GM Treka by Ryan Sporzer. Ryan, apologies if I mispronounced your name. Um. But let's go down the list. First one, which I think is way too low, Schmaltz for Strom and Perlini. Yeah, it's that's that, that that was I believe that was that was a huge trade. Obviously, a lot of people might look at the uh, the Perlini side, and one people can say, yeah, that was you know we'll see how it one turned out because Perlini once gone, but yeah. uh, or is gone now. Yeah, is gone, and the. The the Strom part is I think is the one the one that still gets people a little question because Strom's playing well. It's talk it just sucks that he's on a terrible team. But he's like if you see the way he's played, he's playing well. So, you know, I think that's why some people had it were skeptical about it and everything like that. But you look at the way that uh Schmoltz has been performing, my God, has he been magnificent. Yeah. Uh, Strom had a great season last season after being traded. Started off a little bit slow, but he's currently 4-11-15, which good numbers for a bad team. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. But, but yeah, I think um, – I, I don't know – remember the number exactly, but there was a tweet about the percentage of game-winning goals that Schmaltz is involved with on the team, and it was something like crazy high. Um Schmaltz for the team is something that I don't think the Coyotes have had since Ray Whitney, maybe? Oh, that's going far back. Yeah, uh, he's just like, he's a key. He is like the piece. And he's not necessarily like a pure goal scorer, um, like a redeem for Bada, but he is definitely like an integral piece to the Coyotes offense. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to see if I can get his stats on uh, natural stat trick. Um, let's see. He's looking pretty. Like, yeah, his natural stat tricks are show. I mean, he's. What's interesting is it actually is an example where advanced stats doesn't really do him justice. He's listed among players here at 150 in terms of. I'm not sure. Oh, in terms of Corsi 4, but he, this guy is, 
I'm trying to see where maybe something that shows that he's everything else. Ooh. 56.72% high danger course percentage. Not bad. Not bad. Um, he's playing great with Keller. He's playing great with Garland, like I was saying. I love the Schmaltz trade. Um, it, it is, in my opinion, still way too early to count it as a win because I still really want to see what Strom does. But I think it's the best for both teams. It was when everyone was saying uh, that the Luchik uh, for God, um, the Luchich Neal. Yes, the Luchich Neal. Uh, I can't believe I forgot uh, James Neal. Um, everyone was saying that that was a win for both teams. I was like, No, that was a huge know. steal for Edmonton. Yeah, I, I, uh, Calgary is going to get that grit that they want, but uh, I don't know. I'm not going to count that as a win for them. Yeah, and, and, and I guess one of the reasons why I considered that, though, was because this is the way that I saw Lutrich play in L.A. And I'm like, this guy is going to fizzle out pretty soon. But anyways, continue about Schmaltz. Yeah, um, this one I think is like an actual win for win. Strom's doing good in Chicago. Schmaltz is doing great in Arizona. Everyone's happy. Except for maybe Brendan Perlini, uh, who's yeah. currently in Detroit. Uh, oh, poor Perlini. Well, that's weird. He goes from a, t- a bad team to a worse. Are they worse right now? Yeah. They're uh, around the same. Uh, that's, yeah, that's a tough call to say. If uh, I, I mean Chicago is better or worse than Detroit. Yeah, well, Detroit is rebuilding. I'm sure Steve Eisman will get it figured out, but you know. Anyways, let's, let's, let's go on to the next one. Next one is one I totally disagree for, and I'm actually going to substitute it for a different article. Um, originally, it's D'Angelo for a 2016 second-round pick, which, no. Um, right. Tony D'Angelo is having a much better season this year um, after his third team. And it, it's, it's good that he's going... He's finding an opportunity with the Rangers who are just terrible too, but Mm -hmm. that's not a defining trade. We're going to stick with defensemen. And this is one that uh, Matt Lawman on Arizona sports pointed out, which I sometimes forget because it's so ridiculous to me. Jamie McGinn for Jason Demers. That is probably the biggest steal in recent Coyotes history. You know what's interesting? I don't know why I just thought about this. You just named two former San Jose Sharks. <laughs> uh, I remember the Jamaris trade, too, for at least for San Jose when they traded him to Dallas for Brendan Dillon. But anyways, um, this trade, the Demers and McGinn. Uh, yeah. I've I've always been a fan of Demers. I've really I really like him. Um, I don't I'm not sure what else to say. He's I don't know. He just brings that kind of presence to uh to a team that you that you want to see. Like, yeah. he is playing top two minutes in Arizona, and he was acquired for a forward who's not playing in the NHL this season. Uh and that's not like he had uh, McGinn had two two seasons in Florida, 
Like, it's nothing. Jason Demers has, like, found a spot as one of the top two defensemen. He's right there with Oliver ekman Larson. I really like their dynamic. He's a little bit more, like, steadfast. Uh, he can kind of let Oliver do some more offensive things. Um, whether or not you are excited about that this season, I think objectively right. it's still a good thing. Uh, I, I love that trade, and I don't think anyone talks about it because Demers is kind of one of those players that doesn't get a lot of attention because it's, he doesn't have because he's sitting on again he's sitting in defenseman with Oliver Ekman Larson, one of one of the um, better D men in the league. So like, what? It's interesting to do, but like, yeah, the the pairing, the, the way he's paired is is great. I like I like that pairing as well. Yeah, uh, I think that is probably, and you can tell it's not even on this list uh, that we're reading off of, which I think is just yeah. Uh, so next we have listed as a bunch of futures for Hansel, which. Yeah, that's probably the best way to describe that. Um, I, I don't necessarily... Well, we got the P.O. Joseph as one of those trades. Uh, Martin Hansel, uh, I kind of miss him. He's out for the season because he has struggled with injuries his entire career. When it became clear that the Coyotes weren't going to get re- re-sign him, I thought it was the best move and he got the best package you could possibly get for him right. from Minnesota. Um, I remember an article a couple years back where it, the central thesis was what would Martin Hansel's career be if he wasn't constantly being injured? And I think about that a lot because I think he would have been one of the better centers in the NHL. But I mean, if you're injured all the time, you're not going to be playing. And that's just kind of the end of the day. And it's not like he had a, he's recently developed that. He's always had that kind of injury problem. And so the fact that the Coyotes got what they did for him, that's like a steal. Yeah, I would, I, I'd agree with you on that. Um, I'm trying to find some of his stats too, but yeah, I can't really get it, but yeah, just continue, just continue through. I'm trying, as I, search some stuff up on here sure uh we have hosa hinestroza and osterly for spare parts right i love you tell me like who was actually involved with this trade uh the only person i can think of who would have been that is kruger um but you know cheka really kind of showed creativity in going after these kind of cap hits. He wasn't the first one to do it. Um, I think GM Don Maloney did it for, with the um, Philadelphia Flyers with much less results. But I mean, for bringing in Hosa's cap hit, we get Vinny Hinnestroza, who hasn't been scoring too much this season, but I thought was really impressive last season. And Jordan Osterley, who, like, it's crazy that he was overlooked in that trade. I think Osterley, especially last season, proved what a good defenseman he is. He's not 
you know, a top pairing or top four, but in a bottom pairing defenseman, he is stellar. He brings a bit of offense. He's good defensively. The team, when he was injured this season, like people were legitimately concerned about what impact this could have on the decor. And of course, he kind of hits at the head. Everyone was concerned about that. But yeah, that is definitely a really good trade. What were those spare parts again? I want to try to. Mackenzie Entwistle, Jordan Malatea, Malet- and Maletta, and Andrew Camp, and Andrew Campbell. That's right. Because yeah. I remember Andrew, you know, the uh, former captain of the Tucson Roadrunners. Yeah, that's. But yeah, that's not a bad. Like yeah, that I, that's that yeah. Wow, well I mean, done. That's, yeah, that's two NHL players for uh, an AHL player and a couple prospects. I remember hearing some decent things about McKenzie and Whistle. I'd be kind of curious to see. I think I saw but... Jordan Maletta play. I think he played uh, as they were getting as the Roadrunners getting closer to the playoffs. They gave they gave him a couple plays, but not much after that. I think they probably had him in. Uh, where was the at the time um fort wayne yeah oh yeah and let's go with the big one maybe one that i would actually keep in front darcy kemper for tobias reader and scott wedgwood uh yes (laughs) that was a Great trade. Um, yeah. I mean, just, just look at what Darcy Kemper has done for this Coyotes team. Um, while Ronson was gone last year, he carried the team on his back. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, like, so, so much so that I was, like, thinking, I'm like, Jesus, he's probably got to get, he's probably got a good chiropractor somewhere because, man, he's got carrying a lot of weight with all these injuries, like, but still finding a way to get this team to win. Yeah, um, and he's been great this season. Oh yeah, too. absolutely. Uh, the I think the general kind of theory at the time was Kemper was benefiting from the LA system because they're known to be fairly good defensively until yeah. this season, uh, and it's not like he ever really showed any like major skill before the start of last season. Um, even so, like when he came here, his first couple games, I was like, this may not have been the right call, but I mean, all the credit in the world to Darcy Kemper, he upped his game in a way that I didn't even think was possible. And you know, what I think is amazing is, um, how I'm not sure what the initial belief was when Cheka brought him in as a uh, goaltender. But now we're in an era of the NHL where tandem goalies are significantly more popular than a starter and a true backup. We're seeing a solid tandem right now with with uh, Kemper and Ranta. Because yeah. I mean, you can choose either one on any given night, and I'd, I'd say they perform. Yeah. Uh, I would say 
I would like to see Ronta get a little bit more starts. I think he he occasionally shows off a little bit of rust if he's been sitting too long. But right. yeah, I, I I don't necessarily think that there is much of a difference between the two. And that's astonishing. I still don't get why people talk about trading Ranta. Why? You have because the such thing good Because the thing is, Ranta there there is no uh, drawback in keeping him on. Um, and I'd say one of the things, the maybe the only thing being, you've got a you've got a goaltender down in a, the AHL in Aiden Hill. Who's just waiting to get his big break? Because he played for a couple for like about a month or so in with the Coyotes last year while while both um Ronta and Kemper were gone. And he performed too. So the Yeah. I, I think that's the only drawback. It's just like, why don't you just, you know, maybe trade trade Ronta and give uh Hill the backup job? But Hill would be that. He'd be a backup to Kemper. He's not good enough to be a tandem. And yeah, people are like, what's the drawback without that? Well, right now you got a tandem. That's yeah. that's 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 good. You don't want to put too much stress in the single goaltender. Especially if the Coyotes make the playoffs this season. Which exactly. Is the plan. Like I would prefer to have a rested, like and prepared Kemper and, and Ranta. And who knows what happens like later in the season. Players go through stretches. I could very easily see Ronta being like more of a starter like three weeks from now or and then back to Kemper. It can change on like such a dime. Why kind of hamstring yourself by like limiting that? Yeah, well, it, it will be interesting to see how how how, that, how those next weeks turn out when it comes with Ronta. But again, that like I am impressed with how the Coyotes will be able to put together a tandem like this that they have so far. Cause it's been, it's been impressive. Yeah. I mean, and, and just like those five trades, um, the four from the hockey writers and the one that we substituted, like, I think a lot of GMs would be like, sh- like stoked to have one of those. Like, it seems like there's not too many trades in the, in the modern NHL, something that a lot of old school fans decry, but like those are like really impressive moves that took a lot of vision and a lot of creativity. I mean, to put you in perspective, I would be stoked to have Darcy Kemper on the Sharks. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. I mean that. I mean that's also not surprising given the state of goaltending over there in San Jose, but. Um, that's just me. Uh, yeah. And then um, if we're looking at the first round picks he has real quick, Clayton Keller, Jacob Chikrin, P.O. Joseph, Barrett Hayton, Victor Soderstrom, uh, Keller, Chikrin, I don't think we had too many arguments about them. Hayton, he's not getting as much ice time as a lot of fans would hope, but I think he's progressing well. Uh, in the prospect game, Victor Soderstrom, like, he seemed like he was ready to be in the NHL. And the fact they stuck around in camp so long, like if the Coyotes didn't have the the defense that they have this season, uh, I would very easily see him getting seven games, which good. Yeah. That if we get another incredibly solid defenseman 
in the three years that Jack has been drafting, and they're like he's almost instantly ready to make the jump. Most defensemen take longer to develop. I don't get how like Jacob Chickering was able to just come in right away and was drafted 16th. Yeah, I I don't know. It's lots of things to consider on that. Um what was I'm trying to think. What was his first year of draft? Was it the 20 uh, his first was the 2016. 2016 draft. Okay, so he was, uh, so he came after the uh, the Strom Merkley draft. I believe he was assistant GM at that time. So he assist- He helped out with that. So, but yeah, how how much impact he had on that? Like, we, no, I don't I, know. Yeah, and especially considering the way that the scouting department has been completely revamped. Uh, in recent years, uh, I don't think he was necessarily happy with that choice either. Yeah. Speaking of which, I, 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 I am a little disappointed the way Merkley's been playing. Um, he's, I would not say he's not bad. He's just not a first round pick, like that you'd expect. Sure. Because um, he I mean, he was so good before his injury. Like that's the thing. That's, and then he was on pace for being one of the best in the AHL. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, like that's kind of what happens with injuries in a lot of situations, especially uh, "quote unquote" lower body injuries. Yeah, because we all know what that usually would... means. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was pretty late in the draft, if I recall. He was picked at um, number thirty. Yeah. So, I mean, for... It's essentially a second-round pick, but... Yeah. That is a couple spots behind Henrik Samuelson, who we drafted, and um, if Coyotes fans are curious where he's at, last season split time between the AHL and the ECHL. Uh, So, once you get down there, those picks, they become a lot less of a sure thing right which i think is kind of i don't know late first round picks always seem like something that you should be willing to trade yeah no one Uh, not very many people care about late first round picks and that's why contenders kind of throw them out like candy yeah because then like yeah if you can get like two second round picks for a late first Take that deal every single time. Oh, yeah. Usually. Yeah. Unless there's like one guy who you know and you're like, you know what? Everyone's everyone's looking him over. But yeah. At, at a certain point, it becomes an odds game. And the more players you get, the better. Mm-hmm. Anyways, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the last bit of the, uh, the last couple games for the Arizona Coyotes, as well as talk about some of the future games. You're listening to Desert Dogcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. 
So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, welcome back to Desert Dogcast, everyone. I'm Rob Leonio, joined alongside Carl Pavlik. Now we're, let's talk about the last games that the Coyotes have played. Um, not very great games, but also a couple good ones. You know that uh, I mean they were able to win, as we talked about in Inside the Glass, back to back games on back to back nights against the back to back Stanley Cup champions. A lot of back to backs there, and back to back shootouts. Yeah, uh, it it was definitely a tough road trip for the for the Coyotes. Uh, I, I think I, the way I described it, no one's going to say that they played perfectly against Washington or St. Louis. I thought they were going to get blown out by there. Washington. So Yeah. Yeah. They went in there and they did what they needed to do. And that's kind of what you can really expect from a road game, especially like in a tough, like three games in four days. Um, I, I definitely want to see them be better. Because even though they did get those two wins, I, I I want to see them like step up their play, and I think they have a really good shot of doing that next week. But yeah. We'll talk about that later. But a shootout, like shootout yeah. wins, are good. But the thing is, you want to win in regulation. I mean, it, it, it's weird to say because that's you know that's that's just being uh, it's being greedy. But you want to be greedy. You want to say you know what you want to be good enough to win this game in the second period. I, I, if you want to be really as, as greedy as that, you know, um, you know, and that just means scoring goals and being being very good on defense and having a complete uh, two hundred foot game. But yeah, you know, there's uh, some things that just they needed to kink out. Again, they got shootout wins against Washington, and against St. Louis, and again, those were back to back nights on Monday and Tuesday. But they were they were gassed. You know, and we saw that by the time they reached the um, the Thursday night game against the Wild, like it just it just happens. Yeah, and I think because um, this is the second time we lost to the Minnesota Wild in in home. a week. Uh, we lost them four three at home, three two. I I think the Coyotes are having a little bit of difficulty with closing out games, which is definitely something that I want them to address. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a season killer um, at this point. Uh, I I still think that with the division that they're in and the play that they have, they still seem like a very good team to make the playoffs, but it's, it's something that I hope they address soon. I also, I have to wonder if Minnesota just, is built a way or has a system that just kind of counters ours. It's by, you know, it might be just that because the way that the Minnesota plays is, is uh, Arizona just doesn't match up well with them. It's weird because the Wilds are one of the worst team in the leagues, but the way their play style is just different enough to beat Arizona. And it's it's not saying Arizona is a worse team by no, by no means. Look, they were able to beat Washington and St. Louis who were both great teams. It's just yeah. the Wilder a different team, and it's weird. I uh, and you can tell by the way that by, by the way they play. I mean, I got a chance to watch. I didn't get a chance to watch the, a full sixty minutes of either game, 
But I saw bits. I'm like, there's some, there are some issues here. Why are they looking like? I don't know. It, it, I couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah, I think especially after after this, like after the first game, I imagine if I was playing uh, the Wild and I was on the team last Thursday, like they would be in my head um, because I don't think that you can not have that happen. Uh, and it it does seem like like I look at that and I'm like something about this matchup just doesn't work well for the coyotes right and i don't know what it is and we're not going to get a chance to see minnesota until middle of december thank god um but i i think a lot of people may be a little bit more concerned about losses to the wild than they are happy about wins against the capitals and blues and i think that's kind of the wrong way to think about it especially since I mean, are we going to play a team like the Wild in the playoffs if we get there? No, you'll be you'll be playing significantly different teams because again, there's barring anything ridiculous, I don't think the Wild are going to get close to the playoffs. Um Of course not. So, there are teams that, you know, that they'll play against, you know, I you know, I'll throw the Blues in there, you'll get um See, you'll get Edmonton, maybe Vegas. Like, yeah, I wouldn't say Edmonton's like Minnesota. Yeah, uh, they at like Edmonton. It's it it's it's a weird thing because it's like the certain play style is different. Edmonton's is they're all top, like they're heavy on top six forwards, and everything after that is absolute dog shit. Um, and that's. It's weird to say that, but that's the truth, and that just that's why Connor McDavid plays. What is it like twenty five, thirty minutes a game or whatever? Like, yeah. Which uh, I'll be curious to see how that works out. Well. He will tire out eventually, and then that's gonna be a that's gonna be an issue. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's I mean, closest I could think to a matchup against the Wild in the playoffs would be if we end up either a wild card team or winning the division and face off against the Jets maybe maybe uh, uh but no but see the thing is uh the Jets don't have any true top defensemen especially this season yeah especially this season like i don't see how that'd be an issue yeah, um, and and I almost wonder if Dubnik just is out there every single time, being like, "I need to show up, Arizona." They let me go for for Mike's, so Mike Smith could be the starter. I need to, I need to go out there and have the best game. Maybe that that's I'm the case. Have. Maybe he has a chip on his shoulder every time he plays Arizona. Like, you know? Yeah, it's definitely. I think like the the first game I was at the first game, uh, and it was just like, what are you guys doing? Why is this happening? Why are you letting Minnesota come back? And then the second game, I didn't get to watch all of it because freaking work and time zones suck right now. But like the parts I saw, I was like, you know, third period. I'm like, nope, we we just don't have it. 
Like this one is gonna. That seems to be the biggest issue make... right now is closing games out. Is they'll they'll, yeah. they'll get a great lead, but just that third, you know, they can't hold on to it, and you know, it's. Uh, I think there's several teams that have an issue about that, and I think you know, again, luckily they're only a quarter way through the season. It's not, you know, halfway or two thirds of the way through the season. Think you can still fix things, and I think that's one of the things that I sure hope that Tocket is uh, addressing as they get ready for this uh, this homestand. Hopefully, um, it. I, I wish I had a chance to see more of the recent games, but again, it just has been able to happen. But from what I've seen, it's not like they're necessarily like going like into a defensive shell. Like I remember. I think from from what I look look at, and you know, I might be completely wrong, and you know, my eye might be different than everyone else's eye, but it looks like they get not it's not a defensive shell, but they get too comfortable with their lead. Maybe, I would almost say comfortable. I think would be a good way to to describe it, actually, because I think the passes aren't as as crisp, so. Like you're getting more turnovers, you're not necessarily pushing the same that you would. I, it, it's weird. I don't. I don't like it. Um, but we also see a team that can give up a lead and claw their way back. And I just want kind of a consistent sixty-minute game. And I, I think if they can get that down, then they're a lock. For right now, I could still see something coming around and, and biting them, but yeah, um, still probably the best Arizona Coyotes team we've seen in years, no doubt. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I think because because again, this team, and I like I said it last year too, but um, I'm more confident this year than I was last year about this team potentially making the playoffs. Like it's yeah. I. I can say that, like, like for like for me, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, I don't like. I I, I would I would be really shocked. Honestly, I will I would because this this is, this team has the components to make a run. Yeah, it. Uh, I would be shocked too. It's really tight right now, but I think we're gonna start to see some of the teams fall back, and it seems like Arizona is built in a way where I'm like. No, you can keep going when, say, the Vancouver Canucks. They won't hold too long. The Flames won't hold too long. Golden Knights might bounce back a little bit, but they're on a four-game losing streak. I mean, you can't discount Anaheim just because Gibson is going to just drag them into the middle and avoid getting a high draft. And they got a new head coach in Dallas Eakins, and then look what he's done with the San Diego goals beforehand. He's done some great things. Um, yeah. And the Sharks are also a team you can't... I wouldn't... It, it's weird because, I, you know, it sounds for me, being biased, kind of praising them in a certain way, but I'm trying to say this in the least biased way possible. They're a team you can't discount because they're on a five-game winning streak, and... You know, they're finding a groove. I'm not saying they're going to be much. I can't, I can't say to an extent of how much better they can be by the end of the season. But, you know, they're a team you still can't discount because, I mean, they were just 
only a, a few months removed from the Western Conference Finals. So, yeah. And I could see them maybe picking up a goaltender midway through the season. Oh, I and... sure hope so. <laughs> that could definitely change things for for San Jose. Like the only team that we anyone can comfortably be like, nope, is the Kings. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they're. I don't know what. I don't know how to describe the direction they're in, but it's. I just say down. Yeah, it, it's it's getting to the point where I kind of want to be like, it's okay, guys. You, you'll you'll be okay. I mean, kind of want to give a Kings fan a hug and just be like. I get it, buddy. You're going through some rough times. I would too, but they picked up Todd McClellan to be their head coach. Yeah. Like, look, what, I mean, he didn't do anything in Edmonton besides maybe take him to one playoff run. He was in San Jose before that. In San, and let's see, while he was in San Jose, President's Trophy, Western Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals, first round exit, second round exit, first round exit, no playoffs. Um, oh yeah, and a, and a reverse sweep to the Kings. Um, so yeah, no great track record. Yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know what decision led to him going to LA, but yeah, you know, I also want to figure uh, out what Rob Blake is doing at GM because right now there seems to be a lot of issues. Yeah, I. When you look at the Kovalchuk signing, which we talked about, um, I, I don't think LA properly knew what team they were because they they were making moves like they're like a no we're on the rise we got another run in us like we it's closing fast but we had another window. they made the signing uh, a, just about two months after getting reverse. No, not reversed. Just getting straight up swept by the Vegas Golden Knights in their inaugural season. That should be an already that should already be somewhat of an alarm in their head, saying, "Hey, maybe there's a problem here." True, but they also made it to the playoffs, and barely gone from that team to absolute garbage fire in two seasons, season and a quarter. Like, also it, one of the biggest issues is the is the firing of uh, their head coach beforehand. Not not Willie Desjardins, but before that, and Dale Sutter. I thought that was a terrible decision, but you know that's me. Yeah, I mean, I could see it making sense. It felt like the Sutter firing at the time. It, it seemed like he may have lost the room. Uh, it didn't True. seem like. Kopitar has been happy in a very long time, and he is the player that you absolutely cannot have not be happy. Um, like they made him the captain, they stripped Dustin Brown of the captaincy after he won them multiple cups and gave it to Kopitar. And I'm not saying that that was the wrong choice, but I mean, it goes to show like how high Kopitar is in the opinions of that organization. Yeah. He absolutely should be that high. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so what we're getting at here is that this uh, look here for the Coyotes and, and like their p- potential for a playoff push is they've got they, they've got they've got the pieces and you know this division could swing either way, but there's not very many pieces in that division that could really. Um, 
make that kind of push against them, at least at this point. I, uh, I, I, like, I could go as far as saying with the pieces together in terms of uh, overall depth of a team that this is the best team. This Arizona Coyotes team is the best currently in, in the Pacific Division. I wouldn't necessarily go that far. I'm, but... and I'm not saying in terms of top end and overall talent. I'm saying sure. overall depth because I make the biggest statement. I say this every year that you're only as good as your fourth line. And, you know, obviously the Oilers have no fourth line. Um, I, the Canucks Flames, you know, I, I still got to look more into them. But other than that right now, there's not much I can say about the other teams. Like, yeah. The, the Coyotes are currently second in the division uh, behind only the Oilers. And they're, ba- they... they're back by only four points. I mean, four points at least early in the season sounds like a decent amount, but really that's, that, that, could, that, that can change in a weekend. Yeah. Yes, it could. Um, I, I would not be surprised if the Coyotes either stay in the top three or even win the division. Like, I think it's really early, and oh, I yeah. don't want to look like a fool. But, I mean, if you told me at this point, if you told me in April that the Coyotes are, like, not comfortably leading the division, but, like, still, like... They're holding there, on they're, they're holding on to a spot. Yeah, like, maybe three points up, something like that. Like, it wouldn't shock me. It would right. not shock me at all. They need to make some adjustments, as all teams do at this point, and how they successfully do that is going to influence where they end up. But, yeah, I, I think a big loss is going to cause more As long as the team is able to. Yeah, all right, so let's actually now go to uh, predictions for the next couple of games. Um, I know, let's not go, I, 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 let's do it this way. This game, this podcast episode is probably going to be published after this matinee game on Saturday with the Flames, but let's, for all intents and purposes, let's make a score prediction. Let's not go in depth because the game's probably over by the time you guys are listening. So simple score prediction, go. 3 1 Arizona. 3 1 Arizona. I'm going to say 4 3 Arizona. All right. Okay. Next up. Now we can go more in depth in these next. Uh, do you want to just do the two? Because there's only two within Monday, Thursday. Cause... Yeah. Let's, let's just stick to the two. Plus, I mean, it's the Kings on Saturday and Monday. So any argument we make on for one of them, it, it's going to hold true for the next one. Yep. All right, Monday uh, against the Kings, Monday the 18th. Um, also, um, my mom's birthday on the 18th. Just wanted to put that out there. Um, happy happy future birthday to Rob's mom. So, Monday the 18th against the Kings. This should be a fun game for Coyotes fans. Yeah. So, I would say, like, the Kings are one of those teams where I don't care how bad they are, they are going to 
try and come hard against the Arizona Coyotes. Especially since it's the Southwest. You know, there's some kind of special rivalry in the Southwest. You know, there's the Battle of California between the Kings, Ducks, and and Sharks, but you also got that Southwest rivalry, Kings, Ducks, Coyotes, Golden Knights. It's just all mixed into there. It's all that Pacific Division. They re- really like to mess with each other, but continue. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, um, I think it, it may have gone down a little bit since Stone's not with the team anymore, and he was a big part of that, but I cannot imagine the Kings are happy with where they're at. I cannot imagine them being happy with losing to the Coyotes. It's underreported, but Arizona and Los Angeles really don't like each other. Um, mm-hmm. And... I mean, that may hold true in other sports, but in hockey, it's it's more the same. Some of the games I've seen with the most fights have been the games against the Kings. So I don't think it's going to be as easy as the Kings record suggests. Yeah, it's not going to be that, it's not going to be a walk in the park, but it's going to yeah. it's going to be entertaining to think to to the aspect that you're going to see the rivalry aspect and you're going to see some goals being scored. Yeah, uh, I think something has happened to Jonathan Quick, and he's been replaced by someone who's uh, not as good in goal. Uh, in the NHL, is keeping it very secret because of aliens. Uh, that's why we wanted to storm Area Fifty One. Uh, but exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, I still think um, I think the Coyotes have this one. Uh, I I think it's going to be a tough win. But I think it's going to be like a, let's go with a 4-2. You actually stole that score right out of my own mind. I was going to say exactly that score on a 4-2. I didn't think it was going to be a walk in the park. I think um, the you know it's going to come around that. So um, 4-2 makes sense. And I, and, and I could say the same thing I, like I did last week where, honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, that fourth goal is an empty netter for Arizona. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Um, <laughs> I mean, with the way Quake's been playing, uh, might would, as well just keep it. Might as well. well. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's try six out of five the entire game. Let's see how that goes. Um, yeah, it, I also think that this is going to be a game with a fight or a questionable hit. Something not necessarily hockey. So maybe a fight or player safety gets involved. Yeah, let's go with that. And I mean, I I love to be proven wrong. Like I hate when player safety has to get involved in anything, but I think especially if Arizona scores early, which I could see them doing, I think LA goes dirty. Yeah, I personally don't think that will happen until Saturday because they're playing each other. When that's when they play each other again, and then yeah. you know the emotions are already flying because of maybe what happened in the previous game. Uh, yeah, that to me that makes sense. Yep. So we both say four two, Coyotes win. Yep. Um, now let's go to the Thursday game. Something a little bit more difficult. It's still a home game, but a little more difficult. Hosting the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, Austin Matthews returned to the desert. 
I, I, I can see um, in this game, or at least before this game, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner ben, uh, bunking in Austin Matthews' childhood childhood uh, bedroom. Um, I, I hope it's that. I hope they, they have a slumber party. <laughs> they that better. Be they better. I think uh, they've done it, it already. Um, yeah. so it wouldn't surprise me. Um, if it's anything like when I was a kid playing like Sega Channel, uh, you know, the Beavis and Butthead game that I can never beat, but <laughs> that's how I imagined it. <laughs> oh, that'd be perfect. <laughs> I'd be shocked that they got Sega Channel still. I'd be like, man. Celebrities get all the second channels. Um, but anyways. This game uh, is going to be interesting in a certain aspect because you got a solid forward team with Toronto Maple Leafs. And they mm-hmm. s- still, even though they picked up Cody Cece over the offseason, still one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, and I... Don't think I am an odd man out in saying that at all. Um, and I think in this game, the Coyotes will take advantage of that. The only thing I can see you being the odd man out for is uh, thinking that Cody CC would have any positive impact on the defense. <laughs> the Maple Leafs. It was just a you know a, a comment to make because that was a, that was their pickup in the off season, but yeah, they're like despite getting Cody Cece, the Maple Leafs stuff. You, you would problems. you would think it'd make at least uh, maybe a little bit of a positive thing. I don't know. I mean, Jake Muzzin did at least a little bit. Yeah, but still one of the worst. Still one of the worst defenses in the league. Yeah. Um, Despite also having, the, um, they still, uh, um, what's, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Morgan Riley. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, Toronto defensively, not great. Forward skill level, next level. Um, Although, I, um. What's the status of any injuries that they have? I know they had they've had a few. Let's find out. Um, Marner is on LTIR. Yeah, and he's out until early December. Uh, Trevor Moore missed uh left the game and won't play against Peck. Pittsburgh on Saturday, so there's a chance he may be out. Ow, Alexander Kerfoot. Surgery to repair facial dental fractures. That's a hockey injury. That definitely sounds um, like a hockey injury. Yeah. So, sure, sure, you don't have Marner. You still have Tavares. You still have Matthews. And... Nylander. Like, and Nylander. That is... That is some solid forward. I'm looking and at their I, entire forward group. It's yeah, their forward group is one of the best in the league, and that's a reason why. Excuse me, as I hit my microphone, as you people probably heard that and terrified the hell out of them, and that's why they're spending. Um, where was it? Forty-seven million dollars on their forwards. Yeah, 
And I think it's definitely worth that much. Um, so I don't, I don't think that the Coyotes are going to. Let's be honest. I don't think they're going to win this game. Okay. Uh, I don't normally pick against them because I think that they pretty much always have a chance. And I don't think that the Maple Leafs are necessarily the best team uh, in the league. But I think they are going to come hard. And I think it's going to. I think they're going to get the Coyotes and they're going to get uh, a hole too big, too big for them to dig themselves out of. Um, I'm going 4 to Toronto. Another 4 2. Um, I'm not creative. Yeah. I'm going to be interested in this game. And you know what? I am going to pick Arizona to win this game, but it's going to be a high-scoring game, and they're going to win in overtime. Ooh. So I'm going to say Worth. five to four in overtime. Arizona wins. Five four is the OT. Um, let me just check who is. How has Toronto been in goal this season? Um, it's they waived their backup and they sent him down to um I'm blank on his name, Michael Hutchinson. They they waived Michael Hutchinson, sent him down to to the Marlies. Um, and now they got uh, excuse me if I pronounce his name correctly, uh, Cas uh, Casimir Kak uh, Kakisuo. Um, as their backup to Freddie Anderson, still, hmm. and Freddie Anderson. Let's see, how has he been doing? He is averaging so far a two seven two goals against average, nine twelve save percentage. Not great, but also, but, I mean, not terrible. He's above nine hundred, so that to start. Also Fairly consistent for his career, too. Good on him. Uh, like, you look at some goaltenders and they get that wide fluctuation in save percentage, but... You know. yeah, he's been above 900 for the last couple of years. Yeah, last his several years. Entire, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. This, this one... The way I think that, like, Minnesota is a is a trap game where like we're going to go in and underestimating them. I think we're going to go in with the proper expectation for the Leafs and, and still end up falling short. And that's annoying because Leafs fans can be the worst. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, there is definitely something about uh, when you name your, city the center of hockey uh that just for some reason gives you a big head um i i like the fact that the kid from scottsdale is the one helping him win all these games but still um don't tell I, I don't that have them. much faith for that <laughs> don't tell them that though yeah yeah uh maybe by the end of their career uh plus i think that they are very aware that he's from scottsdale 
in the fact that I think I saw quite a few people joking about him coming here. Uh, that's got to stick with you. Probably. Uh, but I don't know. Um, I think we have a very easy win against, or not an easy win, but a win against the Kings, a loss to the Leafs. If we if we lose to the Kings, though, I think we beat the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. We're going to lose one of those games. You would consider like a wake-up game if they lose to the yeah. Kings? I I would hope so. Like, especially since you got two days off. Like, that better be a wake-up game. Yeah. We'll see. Should be should, should be a good a, a fun couple of games to yeah. watch. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we didn't talk about it, but I'm kind of curious to see Calgary. That is, I don't think we've played too many Pacific Division teams, but that's one we got to win. Um, like in terms of the standings, Calgary's right behind us. Like if we if we go to overtime versus the Capitals or the Blues, sure. Giving Calgary points is not something that the team needs to be doing this time. Right. Well, let's see. Anything else you want to talk about before we close off? Uh, not especially. I mean, it's been kind of a... It's been an important week for the Coyotes, but it's also been kind of a, a slow week in terms of stories. Yeah, I can imagine that. There's not... Not much except except of the uh, the Chica thing, huh? Oh, um, and uh, we should just address it. Uh, Cor- uh, Cormier uh, was sent to Tucson for a conditioning stint, which should be oh. coming up pretty soon. Oh, he's already played. Um, I watched him on last Saturday against against. Uh, he looked okay. Um, mm. Not, I not NHL ready, at all. Hmm. Um, if I want to look at the, uh, the stats, it was a high scoring game, um, yeah. and I'll put let me let me put it this way because I didn't get chance to talk. This did not go on the previous episode because of the, um, uh, the episode coming literally like after like it was recorded the day before. The Roadrunners played, but it was also um, posted afterwards, so we didn't get a chance to mention it. Let me bring it up, that game piece, so I can kind of bring you up to speed on how that went. Um, final score was 7-6 to six last week. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, um, and I'll put it this way. It was like... Uh, it was, it was supposed to be a blowout. Um, Tucson was smothering uh, the the heat, but then a uh, and this is what I mentioned to you: the Lane Peterson game misconduct for kneeing came in, and then the Heat scored like three goals in three minutes. Yeah, that's not good. And that's Which why kinda... you and that's why you don't take major penalties. I, I'm pretty, Absolutely, I'm pretty sure the Golden Knights will learn that one. I mean, in general, kneeing is not good, and yeah, no. should never be done in hockey. Luckily, but... he did not get suspended. 
So yeah, well, luckily, as far as I know, in terms of the team aspect, but he's got to learn from his mistakes because that was not okay. Yeah, and luckily the other player wasn't seriously hurt, as far as my knowledge. He he got a little bit of medical attention, but it's from what I know, I nothing further than that. Um, Okay. But yeah, this game should have been that game should have been a blowout. Um, Eric Comrie um, had uh, 36 shots and saved 30. Like, that's not great. I mean, then again, it could yeah. be worse because Stockton ended up having to go through two goalies. Yeah. Um, and they both saved a combined 29 or 22 of 29 shots combined. Oh, wow. That's... Like, you should see the stat. Pulled early? What was what was that? Uh, was one pulled like super early or? Yeah. Um. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I don't even want to try. Um. Number fifty for Stockton. He started off and then, uh, he was playing absolutely poorly because he allowed the first three goals in the first period. Um. He only played. Yeah. He got pulled within the first period. Fourteen minutes in. Gotcha. Um. Yeah. And then. Um. Galis came in, the guy who started the night before, and I was talking about that one, the, the one that went to a shootout. He came back in and then kind of finished off the game. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, Comrie um, Com- not playing so great. I want to see how things are now. I know he's, I believe, in the game this Friday, essentially tonight. Um the game so at the time of this recording the game is in progress tucson currently leading stockton three to two and eric comrie is in net Hmm. um either way it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens with this i mean honestly like it's kind of a in my opinion kind of a weird time to send him down for conditioning because i don't well they haven't played him all season long True, but are we going to play him next week against the Kings or the Leafs or the Kings? Maybe. Uh, or maybe they, deci- maybe they decide, well, he's not what they expected, so they waive him or they hold be. him for trade bait. Maybe. Or maybe they really want to get in the Kings' heads and be like, nah, we're going to play our third string guy. <laughs> oh, that would get in their heads. A lot. Yeah. Now I kind of want that to happen. Uh, <laughs> now that you mention it, that'd be fun. Yeah. Because uh, we, yeah, we, we here in Desert Dogcast, no matter how bad the, bad the Kings are, we will always hate them. Yes, yes. Uh, it, it, it's interesting. Um, Camry, I, I, I hope he gets, he gets some action. If not with the Coyotes and someplace else, uh, you always hear about that kind of that third goaltender in the rotation who doesn't get many appearances. We've had a couple last season, and I gotta imagine that's a very difficult spot to be in, like personally and professionally. Like it's like, man, I can't, I can't do anything. Like, right, I can't look good to another team uh, if I'm not getting any action. Like, what am I doing here? You're making decent money, but I mean, you're a pro athlete. You gotta be worried about your next contract. Absolutely. 
But yeah, no, that was all I had. Cool. Um, I guess that's it for us. Not much else to add. Um, so thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Desert Dogcast. Once again, Five for Hellings official Arizona Coyotes podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Desert Dog. Yeah, yeah, at Desert Dogcast. Um, and also, um, you know, our Five for Howling at Five for Howling. If you ha- aren't following that yet or already, um, also for me on Instagram and Twitter, I am at Rob your One. I'm at Carl Pavlock FFH on Twitter. So we will, so follow us. Um, you can also follow Rose. I believe she's at Rose Colored Fact. Um, you can follow her there too because she's also a Desert Dogcast host. Just couldn't join us today. Um, so lots of things to talk about with that. Um, we will again. I will address things as we get towards next week too. Um, should be a lot of fun things to talk about. Um, but yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, oh yeah, I did almost forget. Um, please leave like you know. Uh, subscribe if you haven't yet already on Spotify, on Apple, on iHeartRadio, literally any place you can hear a podcast. Leave a comment on um, on our webpage on fiveforhowling.com when this posts to leave us a question again, or you can tweet at us so you can find so you can do that. We will try to answer those questions and we can feature them on either this or inside the glass, depending on whatever is the more appropriate podcast for said question and yeah so that's gonna be it for us thanks everyone for tuning into this episode we'll see you guys next time bye everybody